Millions of Americans mow their lawns on a regular basis, usually cutting the grass as low as possible. But there's a growing movement toward letting lawns grow longer to benefit pollinators. With the details, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. The U.S. government reports pollinators like bees contribute more than $200 billion each year in ecological services. We humans rely on these critters. But the populations of pollinators are declining around the world. It's led some Americans to reduce or stop mowing their lawns. Joining us now to explain more is Susan Carpenter, native plant garden curator at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Arboretum. Susan, big, big picture. The so-called no-mow movement relates to helping pollinators survive, to eat and have a place to nest. But talk about how much of our food supply relies on pollinators. Well, some of our foods do rely on pollinators, the ones that are insect pollinated. And the best and most efficient pollinators are bees, not just honeybees who are used commercially to pollinate crops like almonds, apples, canola, and so forth as they're shipped around the country. But the wild bees that live amongst gardens and in every place where there is habitat for them or flowers are very important pollinators too. In some cases can be even more efficient than honeybees at pollinating. So we're thinking about the crops that we eat. So for example, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, those plants are pollinated by bumblebees. But we're also thinking about the whole system. So humans depend on food, but we also depend on a lot of other aspects of the environment. And pollinators are kind of keeping the plants going and the plants are the basis of, you know, the food webs that we have for us and for other creatures as well. Now, the No Mow movement is centered on the month of May? Yes. Now, what? why is the month of May so important? Well, um, the, the I think... Part of the reason is that it's kind of when people, at least in some latitudes, are thinking, you know, growth begins really in earnest and people are thinking of getting outside and working in their yards and so on. So it focuses on that for the biological reason would probably be that that's a time when pollinators, you know, again, in certain latitudes, when pollinators are emerging from winter overwintering. So they might be hibernating, they might be as pupa or some other form, eggs, caterpillars, whatever they might be. And they're emerging at that time and starting to grow. So that would be kind of a maybe a vulnerable time for bumblebees, for example. They're emerging from hibernation here in Wisconsin. They're emerging in April, April and May. And so the queens that emerge need to build a colony. And for that for herself. She needs flowering resource. She needs pollen to feed the young for the eggs that she's laying, and she needs nectar for herself. So there have to be flowers around. And no mow may is a way of uh, trying to capture, leave available some of those small flowers that might be blooming that people wouldn't otherwise think about as being important for these emerging forms of life. And what species should a landowner plant if they want to actively help pollinators? Well, my recommendation actually, as far as lawns are concerned, is to plant native plants 
that are a wide variety of native plants that match the site that you have. So if I have a sandy soil at my yard, I would want to plant a variety of native plants. And these wouldn't be tiny little plants. They would just be the native plants that would be suitable for that region and that site. And then I don't have to mow that at all. Now, if I have a lawn, I could recommend plants like little clovers. And actually, you don't have to really plant them. If you don't spray your lawn, they will just grow. Let's flip the script there and talk about fertilizers. Do you believe many landowners use too much and can affect pollinators? Well, fertilizers mostly are meant to stimulate the above-ground growth of plants. So grass is an example because it has a very small root system, so turf grass. And the recommendation for turf grass, the ideal recommendation is to have a nice healthy lawn for the turf grass to be healthy, to let it grow to about four inches tall and keep it at about four inches tall. So if it grows a little taller than that, like six inches, you cut it down to about four inches or three and a half inches because grass is growing not from the bottom and not from the tips, but from that intermediate space. So if you cut too much off and you cut it real short, you're cutting off some of its growing points. So if you keep your lawn at roughly three and a half to four inches, basically, then there's room for those little flowers underneath. And that's a good, healthy situation. We're visiting with Susan Carpenter, native plant garden curator at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Arboretum. This is on the so-called no-mow movement for the month of May. What about people being concerned that drawing pollinators such as bees into their yards might lead to bee stings? Well, I think that's mainly a serious concern for people who have bee sting allergies. Most of the bees that we're talking about, the bumblebees, the native bees that are ranging in size from like a quarter of an inch long up to maybe half an inch long or three quarters of an inch long, they don't sting. They're solitary bees. They don't have a colony. They don't have any protection. Bumblebees are usually pretty docile. They usually don't sting unless you're right in one of their nests. You know, you come into one of their nests accidentally. So most kinds of native bees wouldn't sting at all. And what would you say to people who are afraid that their yards will look Well, downright ugly if they reduce or stop mowing or incorporate some of the native plants you're talking about. The plants that I'm mentioning, like the little Dutch clovers and so forth, those are just basically lawn weeds. They're not necessarily native. Some of the species that are recommended are native. But when I was talking about native plants, I'm referring to the just growing basically more flower beds in your yard that you don't have to mow. That cuts down on mowing right there. If you just have pure turf grass without any flowers in it, then you just can go ahead and mow it because it doesn't have any valuable resources in it at all. But keeping in mind that three and a half inches to four inches is healthiest for your turf grass. Fertilizers don't directly harm insects unless they're probably sprayed directly on them. But the fertilizer just increases turf grass and it increases weeds because they grow much more above ground than below ground and native plants grow much more below ground than above ground so there's no advantage to fertilizer for the native plants once they're established. And aren't there species, varieties, or cultivars of grass that don't need to be mowed more than twice a year or not at all? How tall do these grasses get? Yeah, there are some of the fine fescues, 
which are a, a lawn grass, and it gets to be a little taller than standard turf grass is kept, and you don't have to mow it very often. They're slow growing, and they kind of arch over a bit. So maybe picture something eight inches tall that kind of arches over from just instead of being vertical. And so they're really quite attractive, kind of like a wave pattern amongst the lawn area. And that is an option, certainly, because you wouldn't have to mow it very much or at all. Very good. Well, Susan Carpenter, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. And that'll do it for this week's InfoTrack. We hope you've enjoyed the show. InfoTrack is produced by Syndication Networks Corporation. I'm Chris Whitting. Thanks for listening from all of us at InfoTrack.